So with the election, have you been able to enjoy any holiday stuff, or have you been pretty? It was. Busy? It's been. It's been just kind of a wild. It's been just very busy because end of the semester, so I had stuff to do for my students. And oh, that's right. I was still running two papers and we're in the middle of hiring people, and there's kind of this mad rush of stuff before the holidays. So I'm off next week. Nice. I fly to Texas Saturday, so you okay. know it's one of those things where it's kind of a. You know, the next two days are going to be really, really busy, and then I'll have some time to relax and rest. So that's my – I'm just <laughs> just trying to make it to Friday night. That's what I'm going right now. Hey, me too, actually. Well, not, well Friday because yeah. I, I also start – I am off uh, of work starting um, next week. So and then I'll be – I think that's the better week to be off, the week leading into Christmas versus absolutely. the week after Christmas. Well, and it's weird. So this is – and we'll just we'll we'll kind of cold open with this, but so <laughs> it this, it's been very strange because you know I I had I I made sure I took the whole week of Thanksgiving off mm-hmm. so that I could watch games, but even that Monday and Tuesday, which I normally would have worked, we had there was stuff to do. Um, it's, right. It's, it's it's interesting when you're an adult, your days off are not really days off. Right. Um, There's not like in in college where you're just like I'm just gonna. Take the whole entire day and watch Family Guy. Play, <laughs> play Minecraft. Yes, uh, you can't really do that. So, um, but I mean, I, I you know, I, I got to watch plenty. I mean, that the the Monday of that week, I got to watch a lot, and and then Tuesday we had some appointments, and then Wednesday, of course, was you know pre Thanksgiving and driving down and all that stuff. So, so I had that, and then of course came back, went to work. Actually, being at work, to work, I think helped a little bit more because it was like I know I'm going to be here. Right. Therefore, I can watch this game while I while I do work. And then uh, last week, the reason we didn't podcast is because, um, and this is a PSA for all you would be homeowners out there, or per- perhaps you're a new homeowner. Um, if your house is, I would say, older than maybe 1945, you should have the electricity looked at. Because chances are, it's not in great shape. They did not um, hold in high regard the latest in electrical technology back in the day. (laughs) And they used some methods that, by today's standards, are what I believe the scientific community would call a fire hazard. So, um, our... Based on the electrician's estimates, our, uh, our electrical wires were about 60 years old. Wow. Uh, they were to the point where, as they were touching them to take them out, uh, they were falling apart in their hands. So, wow. yeah, it was it was. I I learned a lot, and it's one of those things that I guess the home inspectors don't have to check as close as you might think they should have to check it. Sure. Um, and I don't want to get off on that tangent, but. Basically, we've had our whole entire house rewired, and we wow. were we thought they were they they said they originally, and this is no knock on the company that did it. They they came in, they did a fantastic job. They've set us up now. Um, we know uh, the the guy who owns it, and he really helped us out a lot, and was just fantastic throughout. But I think they way underestimated how much of a shit show was in our attic. Right. Um, and it's just it was just one of those things. So they, first they said you can stay in the house while it happens, 
And then right. the first day they were doing it, they came out as like, oh, I'm so sorry, you can't stay here because we have to – well, they were going to do it by section, but then they found out what the setup was. They're like, we can't do it by section. We have to just take everything out and wow. rewire the entire house because it's different than other houses. And and you know this is not what we usually see in residential, which is a good and a bad thing. The, the good news is that now that it's rewired, because of the way that it, they put it in there, in our lifetime, we shouldn't have any issues with it ever. Right. So that's good. Um, but so, yeah. So get uh, get on that home inspector, kids, and tell them to uh, really check your electrical before you <laughs> before you get into the house. I don't know. I, it, it would have depended. But we definitely – if I had known before getting this house that the electrical was that bad, I would have said, yeah. okay, well, either it ha- something has to happen. Like right. we have to fix it or we're, we're probably going to move on and try and find another house. Yeah. Even though one that, this one's one great. that's not going to spontaneously combust on us. Well, that's that's uh, yeah. I mean, I saw pictures, and let's just say the previous homeowners were not as concerned as they should have been. Right. So between that and all the adulting that I've had to do, and this kind of leads <laughs> us into our first topic. I I really haven't been able to to enjoy the tournament <clears throat> as much as I had hoped, and by the time I get time off, the tournament's going to be over, mm-hmm. and there's not yeah. going to be anything to watch. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, God damn it. It's working in reverse. I didn't know what was going on. So, but I've, I mean, I've been able to watch plenty of it, but it's been different this time around, I feel like. And I don't know if that's just the winter or the holidays or being as old as I am or, or what, but it's been, it's been a different kind of enjoyment. Yeah. It's been, it's been fun for me because, um, you know, we work from home half the time and so i'm able to kind of have it on while i'm working from home which is great um so i was able to watch a lot of the i really got on a good schedule with the with the group games oh it's been a little bit more challenging now there's kind of more time between each day like oh right there's like the game today i had on but i had a bunch of stuff going on and so i wasn't able to watch a ton of it but um and then in the office i got kind of everybody was was engaged with it there so we'd have the games on at least in the background so that people kind of keep track of what's going on so it's definitely been one that I've um, – it's been a very – there's been more of a community watching it with me this time, which I think has been really That's enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get to talk about a lot of things, and I get to educate people about soccer a lot in, in a in a non in, – in a very, you know, hey, welcome to the sport, you know, non-gatekeepy way, you know, just, you know, because they'll ask me, hey, how does this work? How does extra time work? Why doesn't it stop in 90 minutes? You know, <laughs> just starting to explain those things. Yeah. So that's been really good. Um I haven't had as much time to sit down and just like just well, I haven't sat down and just watched like a whole match start to finish as much now that the U.S. and um, England aren't in it. Yeah, because um, of the game, those are the teams I really, really wanted to watch. But um, but yeah, it's 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 been it's been a lot of fun. So I, I've enjoyed it. The time of year is really odd though. It feels weird, and it is. And the time of day when they're on makes it tough. You know the fact that. You know, there's one that happens before I wake up, you know, effectively, and there's one that's going on, you know, as I'm trying to get ready for the day, um, you know, during the group stages, at least made it a little difficult. But I, I think I think everything considered, it worked out pretty well for me. Yeah. And it's, yeah, getting on that, it was definitely easier, I think, to watch. Well, because there were so many of them. There were four games on during yeah. the group stage. And it was like you this. You catch is, at least one or two yeah, a day. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, and if you if you managed to catch all four, you were like, Phew, I need to, I need a cigarette. Yeah. Um, or a nap. <laughs> I need a nap. Um, so yeah, it's 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 the time of year. I definitely think kind of kind of impacts it. Also, 
I we caught a little bit of it when when it was in Brazil 2014 time wise. Um, in 2026, I think it's going to be strange, but for a different reason. I'm just so used to watching soccer in the mornings mm, that yeah. when we have the first game of the day start at like you know three, it's going to be like wow what. What am I going to do between 8 a.m. and, and 3 o'clock? I don't know what's, what I'm going to fill my day with. Um, that's, what was, that's what was weird during qualifying or the CONCACAF or the Gold Cup. You know, is, is uh, you're watching game. You're like, this game starts at 8 p.m.? Well, yeah, <laughs> like, it oh gets super God. late. Yeah. Super, super late. Um, so, but I, I you know, I've, I've enjoyed it. There have been some really, really good matches. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. just some, you know, and what I think... I, what I think I've noticed about this World Cup is, and and it's been present in other World Cups, but so I don't know if it's necessarily anymore. But you definitely see, I think, in the group stage, how much more parity there is mm, than yeah. not, because there weren't too many teams that were just, I mean, Qatar, and I think I don't know, was there there was somebody else who was. Pretty much eliminated right off, right off the bat. I cannot. Remember oh yeah, who it was. yeah. I'd have to go back and look um, at the. I mean, Cameroon didn't have a particularly good showing. Yeah, um, Canada. So Canada didn't. Yeah, didn't Canada do too great. Can't, yeah, really Canada poorly. didn't do great. Um, so, uh, f- funny story about about Canada. So, uh, well, and it's also kind of about Morocco. So, Nayef Aguerre or Aguerre or however you say his name is a West Ham central uh, defender. Um, Unfortunately, he, he got injured, so he didn't play for Morocco today against France. But there was a, a really fun fact about him that I heard on a West Ham podcast I listened to, which is that there's only one goal that Morocco had conceded. Um, I think this is right. Yeah, they, they had only conceded one goal the entire tournament up until today's game against France, and that mm. goal was scored by Naya Figuer. It was an own goal against yeah. Canada. That's fine. An own goal against Canada, which... Turned out to be, I think, maybe just the yeah. It was it was only the second goal that Canada had ever scored at a World Cup, ever. Wow. Because the first one that they scored, because I, I if I remember correctly, they didn't score any in '86. Um, they just lost all their games and uh, just didn't have a very good showing. And then they scored against Croatia uh, before Croatia came back and just beat them down in the group stage, and then they had that one goal against Morocco. So the second goal ever for Canada in a World Cup was scored by Naya Figuerd, and it also happened to be the only goal that Morocco conceded was an own goal. It's, it's kind of an interesting thing, but, um, I mean, a lot of upsets. Um, really, really surprised by Brazil. Very, very surprised. Not not to knock Croatia, but yeah. that, I, I just feel like that was so, God, that was such a strange... A strange thing to watch, considering how dominant Brazil had been this whole entire tournament. Yeah, and it seems like things had really lined up well for him. You know, if you yeah. told me, if, if you'd asked me, and we, you may have before the beginning of the World Cup, where Brazil was going to struggle, scoring goals would not have been, would yeah. not have been, you know, attack would not have been what I've said. You know, they had kind of a uh, a weaker uh, back line, I thought, and, and older. Weaker is the wrong yes. word, but, you know, Old. older. And, no, you're right. Yeah, I, and I agree. It's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's a tough time of year. So anyway, you know, I said, well, you know, maybe they can see, you know, a little bit more than they want to. But it, it seems it seems improbable that a team with such an embarrassment of riches, riches 
um, in attacking, you know, wingers and midfielders and and forwards would struggle to score. Um, but, you know, the World Cup, what I've loved about this World Cup um, has been how much it has proved once again that a team, the best teams are greater than a sum of their parts. Yeah. Um, and it's frustrating when there's really, really good teams like I thought Brazil was a very good team. I thought England was a very good team. I even thought, you know, I thought the U.S. was a very talented team. But the teams that end up winning, for the most part, are the teams that are able to um, perform as, you know, teams. And so that's why teams like Croatia and Morocco, um, you know, went far. It's why a team like um, the United States struggles, I think, because when you when you line up all of the potential talent on that team, and again, it was a young team. I don't want to I don't want to yeah. be too critical of them, but it. it you look at a team like Morocco and you go, okay, here's a team with talent commensurate to the United States. If, if, if not, if not maybe less, ex- even less experienced than the U S when it comes to having, you know, players play for, you know, a, a, one of the top five league clubs. I mean, it's not like, you know, for the U S team, you had players who were sprinkled across the premier league and Bundesliga, et cetera. The, the Moroccan team less so. Um, but then they come out there and they perform really well. And even against France, even though they lost, they still performed admirably. It's not like they got blown out of that game. Um, they had more of the possession. They had the same amount of shots and shots on goal. They had the chances. They just weren't able to get it in past the keeper, who I think is, is playing really well. But, you know, I think that that's what I love about this tournament is how much it once again proves that, you know, this is a team sport and you can have brilliant individual players. But when there's, you know, when you've got 10 other guys on the pitch who are supposed to be on your team, you've got a function of the team where it's just not going to work. Uh, I'll ask this last kind of intro question here, and then we'll get into some, some, some of the topics I've written down here. But I, I, I know my answer would lead into into what our first topic is, but I'll ask you, what which team has, in to you, kind of impressed you the most? Like, oh, I really didn't expect that, that, would, that, they, that you know, they would do that yeah. kind of thing. Well, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, it's hard. To Other than Morocco, Morocco, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they because they, I think, you know, have obviously outperformed expectations. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna couch my answer by kind of picking two teams. One would be Croatia. Um, yeah, I thought they performed really well. You know, obviously, they were a finalist last time, so it's, it's, it's not like they hadn't made deep runs in the World Cup before. But when you looked at the players on the team, you looked at kind of. You know, the the they're four years older, and and they weren't as deep as they had been in the past, and they really had to rely on, on some of their their key players, and they had to play a lot of minutes. Um, the fact that they were able to outlast teams, you know, yes. I thought was really impressive. Um, and then I would say another team that impressed me is um, Argentina, mostly because not because I didn't think Argentina was going to perform poorly. Obviously, you know, they were a favorite to win the whole thing. But after their kind of embarrassing start to the tournament, you go, I mean, this is really going to take this is really going to take a lot of character to turn this thing around. And, and, and they and they had it, you know, they turned it around and obviously made it to the final. So I would say those are probably the two teams that have impressed me the most. So I, I'm glad you said Argentina, because that's that was my that's my answer is 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 Argentina. And the reasoning is because and. I think before this tournament, tournament, you could have you could have argued that this Argentina team was a good goalkeeper, and then as far as outfield players go, it was Messi and and some blokes. Like that's pretty much it. Like that that 
and not to you know, I mean Rodrigo de Paul, Leandro Paredes. I mean, yes, I understand that they they play for some of the top teams um, uh, in Europe, but you know, it's not like it was before. I mean, I I think the previous Argentina team had Sergio Aguero and uh, you know, Angel Di Maria was still playing a bit a big a big role instead of just coming off the bench, which he's done fine in, in that yeah. regard in this tournament, not knocking. I'm just saying, you know, back when a lot of these players were in their prime, that's not the same team that we find. But I mean, Enzo Fernandez has been a revelation and now he's, he's probably going to get in the shop window for January. Um, so, so Benfica will, will, you know, have an opportunity to cash in if they want. Alexis McAllister. Yeah. From Brighton. Definitely. A guy who you would think, based on his name, if, yeah. if, if you just heard it, he'd be playing for Scotland, and he's not. He's playing. He's, right. So he, you know, he's he's been just phenomenal. And you know, Nicholas Otamendi. I, th- I think a lot of people maybe felt once once he went out the Manchester City exit uh, exit door that he wasn't you know really going to do much of anything else, and he's been phenomenal. So it's been. Uh, eye-opening for me to see how Argentina has just put this team together, and I know some people will say, "Well, they won the Copa America." Yeah, I don't, I don't really think. Other than you know Brazil, I don't, I don't know that South American football is is all that high of yeah. a quality anymore. It's as definitely it used not to be. at its peak. It yeah. used to be a team came out of there. Every everybody was tough. Yeah, I mean, I remember not not so long ago that like. You wouldn't want to play Chile or Peru yep. or you know Columbia. any of those teams. Colombia, man. Colombia. I mean, yeah. You, I mean, those are teams that would routinely beat. And now, yeah, like you said, other than Brazil and Argentina, there really aren't South American teams that at the at the moment are are super concerning. Right. Um, and part of that, for, and this is another discussion for another day. Part of that, I think, has to do with the quality of the domestic leagues there. Um, but that's yes. It. We can talk about that in a different show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I need to watch some of that more. It's on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus has the Brazilian League um, and the Argentine, uh, the Premier Division, which, which yeah. I should watch that more. I that, I remember growing up, that's, that used to be how it always be. You would, if a certain time of year, you could, you could wake up, you could turn on Fox Soccer Channel, you would have the Premier League games early in the morning. They'd show a Serie A game at about 145 and then right after that so that would end at about around 345 they'd sort of you know post game that and then at four o'clock you'd have uh, a premier division uh of argentina you'd have that game go so it was just it was like yeah. clockwork and so you could just sit there and watch that's what i used to do um there's some really, good teams in that it. in that league oh, for yeah. argentina that's a that's a i mean it, and there's a lot of really good players too. So yeah, that that as far as South American domestic leagues is is probably the best or, yeah. or one of the best for sure. I but mean, it is it's tough. I, I agree with you. It, it's not what it used to be though. No, I, I I I think. But I mean, to that regard, you know, you have Julian Alvarez, who I know he's a City player. who just came out of River Plate, and he's 22. He's still a young kid. He's up there alongside Messi, and he's you know scoring a double in in this World Cup semifinal. So I think. They've just had a lot of players step up and really, um, in in ways that I I had not anticipated, right? Um, and it's but it also is very clear that they they have an attacking game plan, and that is they play around Lionel Messi, who 
shocker. What a <laughs> difficult game plan to come up well, with. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you, maybe you could argue that prior to that, there were some Argentina stars who maybe they didn't well, want that. Maybe they wanted the spotlight for themselves. And sure. and maybe that's that's what's helping this team. But he does get his moment, his final moment in the sun. Um, this is, you know, in his last World Cup, he makes the final. 3-0 win uh, against Croatia. Uh, he got a goal and an assist uh, in that game, the goal was a, a, a penalty that um, I don't know, looked, looks pretty clear cut to me. Um, and I, I was thinking about this because I was like, "Man, what a what a great moment for for him!" And I don't know how many players get this opportunity to sort of cap off their career with perhaps the biggest prize that they could possibly ask for. Yeah. Um, however, when I was thinking about that, there are a couple that come to mind. Um, the latest one that I can think of in, in just in, in, in football terms is Zinedine Zidane, uh, which mm. is maybe not a great example because mm. in his final game of his career in the world cup final in 2006, uh, the last thing we remember him for is headbutting Marco Materazzi and having to watch his team lose on penalties in the dressing room. Um, but there's a previous one that actually makes a lot more sense, and that is World Cup 1990, West Germany against Argentina. It's the last time that we see Diego Maradona on this kind of stage. Right. And uh, and they did lose. They lost 1-0, um, just like Argentina did back in 2014. Um, so I guess there are moments, and I guess the question would be, you know, how how big of an impact is this going to have on the way we remember Messi's career? Because he's had a he's had a long one. Yeah, and, it, and it's not over. Um, sure. I mean, obviously his his chance of this is his last you know legitimate chance I think to get a World Cup title. I don't think he's going to be playing when he's thirty nine or forty. Um, I mean, it's it's tough. You know, the legacy thing is always an interesting question, and it's I think it's even more difficult for you know, an American sports fan, um, you know, because Messi's obviously played his entire career outside of the United States and, um, and obviously means a lot to, to Argentina and to Spain and, and all those, all those kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's easier in 25 years when we're talking to our kids or grandkids and they ask us who was better, Messi or Ronaldo. And you can go, well, I mean, Messi won a world cup, you know, yeah. Ronaldo didn't. I mean, so it's one of those things that kind of, ends those discussions and, and because of when he played Messi and Ronaldo will always kind of be compared and contrasted. So, you know, I, I think for his legacy, it gives him a leg up over Ronaldo who may end up retiring with more, more goals and, and, and those kinds of things. But in terms of, you know, and in, in terms of what it means for him personally, and as someone who has kind of obviously loves Argentina and has, has represented them even though he didn't have to um, for his entire professional career, you know, obviously it's a tremendously significant personal accomplishment and it would be massive for um, the people of Argentina. So, you know, I, for, for an external kind of third party, you know, I don't think it, I don't think him winning or losing Sunday is going to, is going to mean that much. I mean, he is one of the best, if not arguably the greatest soccer player of all time, but in turn, but it does make arguments easier in the future, and, and obviously it would be it'd be really fun, I think, for him and for his country for for them to win. Obviously, 
I th- I think it's it's a big, I think it's a, it's a pretty big deal, and and part of the reason for that is because of Diego Maradona. When you when you look at his career and Messi's career, there are some things that stick out that for the average Argentina football fan make yeah. Maradona bigger. The first one is that Maradona spent longer in his career in Argentina. Messi mm-hmm. as a kid went to you know, went to Spain and, and came up in Barcelona and of course had this storied career with one of the best clubs in the world, but you know, he still he wasn't there. And we could and, and you can talk about well, yeah, he's, he's his hometown club, Newell's old boys, but I mean, is it it, it is it really like he didn't really most of the time he spent with Barcelona and so he sort of went instantly over there and he hasn't really played in Argentina a whole lot. And secondly, by the time that 1990 World Cup final comes along and Argentina loses, Diego Maradona's already got two World Cups. Mm-hmm. 78 right. uh in Argentina and then 86 in Mexico. So he's already done it twice. He's already reached that summit for his nation twice. Now, Messi finally did get his big tournament when he brought the Copa America to Argentina um, back in 2021, but he still doesn't have the big one. And I think if he fails to get it this time, it'll always be something that, you know, it's kind of like you said with the comparisons of, of Ronaldo, you know, it'll always be something that's the one thing that he doesn't have. Right. This is the crown jewel. He's, he, and he's, he's been to the summit before. He just hasn't been able to, to, I don't know, stand up on it or plant a flag there. Um, so this is kind of the moment to to do that. And what a time to do that, not only in, on such a global stage, but also against probably the guy who's going to inherit your title as best footballer right. in the world, which is which is Kylian Mbappe. And yeah. that, that makes this final interesting too. I, I will say that it, from, a, from a narrative standpoint, it's certainly more, you know, I mean, it's, it's you, you're seeing the best soccer player or, you know, you're seeing one of the best soccer players of all time. And in his final World Cup, he gets to play in a final. And so everybody's going to be watching it for that. I mean, it's like, you know, if Michael Jordan's last game was a game seven of a, yeah. of an NBA finals or Tom Brady's last game was a Super Bowl. I mean, you just, you know, those, those are was, inherently dramatic. Was John Elway's last game yeah. a Super Bowl? Yeah. He, so he, he went, yeah, he, so he went out on top. That's one. Yeah. I was trying to think. Really, but, I couldn't. But that even just those came to mind. Examples, yeah, kind of pale in comparison because obviously you have those every year. You know, there really is no, and and obviously the World Cup is the world's premier sporting event. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of stakes and stage, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, I don't think it's the matchup I would preferred, but it's yeah. it's inherently dramatic, and and I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And and frankly, I'm going to be rooting for him. I mean, I, yeah, I me think too. a lot of a lot of neutrals, if you will, are going to be rooting for Messi to win it because. You know, a France won it four years ago, and B yeah. Mbappe is going to come back, and and so you know you want Messi to win one for sure. Oh, absolutely! I've I'm uh, Jordan, who I uh, should have mentioned this beforehand. Jordan's not with us tonight. He is taking, I think, a much deserved night on his own to relax after a, a very very long day at work, um, which I could sympathize. I that was my week last week, so um, but he got me. Uh, um, Say it was a few birthdays ago or a couple of Christmases ago. He got me a Diego Maradona Argentina shirt, um, and so I'm I'm going to be proudly wearing that when when we're yeah. we're watching the final because I, I just think 100%. it would be great. And yeah. you know the scenes of the Argent 
the Argentine fans watching in Buenos Aires, which by the way, it's their summer. So it's it's getting warmer right. there. They're not used to this. They you know, they it would usually would be cold this time of year down there or colder. Yeah. Um while they were watching during the World Cup. Yeah, during yeah. the World Cup. So so they, they're getting to watch in some nice spring weather, which is cool. So yeah, I it's I'm definitely uh, behind Argentina. I tell you what, this France team is with all of the missing members. If you, I mean, you could you could you could make a World Cup team almost out of uh, entirely out of the players who aren't there for France. Yeah, um, they they they've been playing well. They've been looking uh, they've been looking really good. And and credit to to Didier Deschamps for for you know bringing able bring this team together again and get them to work together again, which is as we pointed out before in this podcast, not something that's been an easy thing to do for previous France coaches. Um, but I mean, it's it's going to be tough, and it's I, I do think this is you know, sometimes you, I think you end up getting um, maybe not a final, but you end up getting matchups and knockout rounds where you know it's it's not who you would expect. It's not the on paper the best teams. I think this is on paper the best teams that you could have in the final, other than maybe you, Brazil. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's a little disappointing because of. This kind of felt like the year of the underdogs with the way that a lot of teams yeah. were performing. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have two of the most talented teams duking it out, and it's not, you know, it's as much fun as, as it would have been to see Morocco, you know, play in on Sunday. You know, obviously that's a very different kind of matchup than two teams that are very kind of equally matched. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be it'll be a really good final. Um, so yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about it. I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. I think I, I think Argentina will just about nick it. I think they'll get, I think it'll be tight, but I think they're they're set up. You know, there's one thing that that you could maybe criticize France on so far, and that has been their backline hasn't looked maybe as solid as you would want it to. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been. You know, they've played really well, but you know, they haven't been. I don't know. I haven't felt like. I mean, I felt like honestly against England, they got kind of lucky. Um, they got incredibly lucky, and yeah. arguably, some they they had a twelfth man out there. Yeah, uh, you know. Th- so I mean, if you look once they get you know, if you look at their group stage, they play Australia. It's not you know a particularly strong team. They play a very they play an underperforming Denmark. They lose to Tunisia. Um, so that's not great. Then the round of 16, they play Poland, which again, it's a Poland is a glass cannon of a Poland team. You know, Robin Lewandowski and, and that affected ham game. sandwich. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Robin Lewandowski, ham sandwich and yeah, 10 ham sandwiches. It's not and, a winning combination. And, and Chesney, Wojciech Chesney did sure, have a very good turn. Sure. He, he yeah. had a good tournament. We'll and and they were a fun show. team, but you know, they're yeah. not, you know, they, France was going to always easily win that. They, they kind of steal one from England. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and then they play Morocco, and again they they beat Morocco, and it was never really in doubt. But it's not like they dominated possession or outshot Morocco or had more. I mean, it was a very even performance in terms of well, I mean Morocco Morocco dominated possession, but in terms of you know goal scoring opportunities, you know, just from the stat sheet, you know Morocco um, kept up with them. So, if you know, I think I think it's easy to say, oh France, you know they're they're fantastic, and they obviously are, and even the lineup they're starting with all their injuries is quite a quality one, but they're they definitely have not been. They have not rolled their way to this, to this, um, to this final. And I think Argentina, you know, they haven't either. But they're 
semifinal victory over Croatia just was just really, it seems like they're they're finding the right momentum at the right time. Yeah, I agree. If you also, to think about Morocco today, I mean, they were they were pretty stretched. I mean, they already have a, had a geared out, um, which is funny. So Naya Figueard, again, West Ham player, went down in the. I think it was maybe the Portugal game. No, it was the, it was before that. It was this this the game against Spain, um, and the, there was somebody translated a, a tweet from some Moroccan source, basically saying so they think it's a something like a thigh strain or, or I think it would be a hamstring issue, um, and the usual recovery time for this is you know three weeks or one to three weeks or something like that. But the the Moroccan physio staff are are optimistic they can have him back by the quarterfinal. And I was like, as a West Ham fan, please don't, just don't, please <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, please just don't do that. And they didn't. He's he's been injured since, and and I think he's. It, uh, my understanding of his injury is that it's not it's not too bad. So hopefully he'll be available very soon after returning from uh, from World Cup uh, after a, a much deserved break. But, um. Then Romain Saiz went down in this game against France, and I think another player got in. I think their left wing back got injured. So, I mean, Morocco was limping to the yeah. barn. I mean, they were, yeah. and France still had, had issues um, getting yeah. this over the line. I mean, I think the 2-0 score flattered them just a little bit. So it's definitely strong, and you have to watch out for um, for Olivier Giroud, as, as England found out, sadly. Um, but they're not... They're not they're not unbeatable. I don't have the same feeling about this France team as I did before the 2018 World Cup. I sort of felt like they would they would you know take care of business against a Croatia that had been riding their luck. Well, I say riding their luck, but had been pushing it, pushing themselves to the limit for that tournament. And I I don't have that same feeling this time around. So right. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the U.S. men's national team because because of um, my house electric electric my house electrical issues last week. Um, we didn't get to really talk about the the round of sixteen exits of the Netherlands three one loss. Um, obviously disappointing to watch. Yeah, you know it was it was frustrating. I think from an American perspective because two of those goals we just handed to them basically. Yeah. Um, Swiss cheese defense. No idea what's going on there. Yeah, it's it. They suddenly forgot all the great defending they had done uh, previously, which with a young team. Can happen, um, but uh, looking back now, how do we think this this tournament will be viewed from a U.S. perspective? I mean, obviously, getting out of the group was good. I think we talked before about if the U.S. could just get out of the group at that point, anything additional is is just bonus money, right? But I mean, do we still feel that way, knowing you know with that round of sixteen exit and and kind of knowing what we do now and we'll. We'll go deeper into that a little bit later, but how do you think this this will be viewed from a from an American perspective? I mean, it's fairly it's fairly forgettable, to be completely honest. I mean, it's it's not memorable in a bad way, which obviously yeah. you know the last World Cup was because we weren't in it. Yeah. Um, so so you know, but it's it. I don't think it produced a lot of fantastic moments. You know, the draw against Wales was really disappointing. The draw against England was fine. But again, that was a game that we should have won. 
Um, the the victory over Iran was nice, but you know, and then we got our we clearly weren't ready for the Netherlands. So you kind of look back on it like, well, we should have won the Wales game, and then Walker Zimmerman Zimmerman did for us. Yeah, we should have won the England game. We weren't really able to pull that out, and then we beat an Iranian team that really you know was completely overmatched, and 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 then we were completely unprepared for a Dutch team that was just okay. So. You know, I, I mean, I think it's easy to say, well, we're going to be better in four years, and I think we will be. But, um, you know, f- soccer players don't always get better as they get older, right. um, which is which is problematic. And I think also the frustrating thing is we didn't play up to – there were, there were times during the World Cup where the, where the U.S. is the best team on the pitch, extended stretches, and yet we weren't able to convert that into any memorable win. So – you know, I, my t- my memories of this will be, you know, a, a just a, a failed a, a failure to seize, um, to take advantage of the opportunities that we had, and and I blame a lot of that on, you know, fair or not, on Greg Berhalter, because I think that his kind of ham-fisted way of handling lineups and apparently handling the locker room, <laughs> I think, kind of fucked it up for us. So, yeah. um, so I mean, it, it's not, but you know. It's one of those things where it's like, it's not like, I don't think we're going to be able to look back in 20 years and remember a lot of these games, frankly. I mean, if we'd beaten England, or if we'd, you know, beaten, we, you know, if we'd had a really nice opening, um, you know, victory over Wales, um, you know, then, then I think those are games that we remember. But I don't think we played a really memorable match. The only memorable moment, and, and I, if you want to compare it to the Donovan goal against Algeria yeah. 2010, the only moment like that, I would say, was the the moment when, as the internet would say, yeah. Christian Pulisic gave his left nut so that we could get through the group stage. And yeah. as funny as that is, it's not entirely true. It wasn't that. He yeah. had a, he ran, he, he ran into the goalkeeper. Thing, right? Yeah, it was a pelvis thing. Yeah. Uh, a, a pelvic contusion, which again, yeah. I think I may have said this before, I did not know you could get that injury playing football. That's usually something that I would associate with, I don't know, getting hit by a car. Yeah. Um, but but not hard, but, you know, just, just like yeah. tapped, just being tapped by a car. Yeah. Um, and, but that was kind of it, you know, that we didn't really have, you know, that moment. And so I think if you wanted to summarize this U.S. World Cup in one word, I would say it was just fine. Like yeah. it, it wasn't, bad yeah but it wasn't really good no either and did it have to be good i don't i don't know there's a lot of factors to go into that i mean you know there was i, I think one player who had world cup experience and and uh, out of the whole entire group and um you know it, deandre edlin didn't even play that huge of a role no. um and fine i think would usually get a U.S. coach into the next World Cup cycle, which is going to be a big one for the United States because we're hosting it. Yeah. We've had it, and maybe ever, but certainly a very long time. I would say probably the the 94 probably wasn't as big because we didn't have a a league yet. And so soccer was so, so, so much in its infancy back then. Right. um, For our our sports. Probably the biggest one since 2006, which came on the heels of the, the, the impressive run in 2002. So the expectations are going to be sky high um, as they were back then. And of course that, that brought Bruce arena, Bruce arena's first uh, campaign in charge to an end. Um, We didn't do so well in 2006. So 
I, I would say it's probably going to be as big as that. And you go into it now off the back of a, a, a pretty big fight with one of your yeah one of your your key players. Now, I don't know if I necessarily have an issue with the way that it was handled internally because I don't really know everything. I know what's been reported. I know that, and and I know that Gio Reyna basically came out to his teammates and essentially said, Hey guys, look, I understand my attitude hasn't been great. I'm sorry. Um, you know, it's, it's not right. And you know, look, he's 20 years old. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, stuff like this can happen. Um, you know, I don't know what all he did. And if it had ended at that, I think we'd all be okay right now. And I think we'd, we'd be a lot better. But the fact that Berhalter was, we'll just say stupid enough to let that out in the manner that he let that out. There's a lot of trust issues now. Oh, 100%. And I don't know if you recover from that. I mean, to, to, to me in any sport, trust is, is important between, between a coach and his players, especially when you're dealing with guys that you don't see year round. Yeah, 100%. So I, I don't know. I mean, do, do, does do we does Burhalter have any avenues to stay? Oh, I mean, I dump him. I dump him tomorrow. I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have let him come on the plane. He would. If it were up to me, he would have taken a different plane home to the United States. But um, I mean, I, I'm done with him. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of the way he. I mean, I'm tired of kind of the amateur way he runs the team. I'm tired of the the line of decisions that he has. I'm tired of the fact that. He dresses like a like a twelve year old on the sidelines. I mean, I'm just I'm done with him. I'm I'm very much ready for for someone else to come in and, and hopefully do a better job. And I mean, we just need a leader of men. Like you know, he just right. seems so. He just, you know, yeah. I, I'm I'm done with him. I, I think we need a. I think we deserve a better manager. And I think we deserve a manager with more experience and, and someone who knows how to lead men and get the most out of a team. And and you know, I I just don't think that's him. Should he be American, or or? Oh, I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I, I think that you know, you look at most. I mean, you can look at most of the teams in the World Cup. You know, their national teams are coached by whoever the best person they can get is. It doesn't necessarily have to be only only the top tier nations can exclusively recruit coaches from from within their country, right? And um. And we're not a top tier nation, obviously. So, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't care. What, what I want, what I think we need, though, is I, I care more about the kind of manager we get, you know, rather than, you know, is he American or not? I mean, it would be nice, you know, for, for I guess, I mean, but I really don't care because we need someone who can teach a group of young men who are individually talented to play like a team. And, right. the, you know, that's the goal of any coach, really. But, you know, Americans, just because of the way that our culture works, is we value independence and individual achievements. And so you need somebody who's going to be able to come in and, and not take that away, but be able to emphasize, hey, like, and, and I think they're, you know, obviously these are men who all play on teams. So um, they, they understand how it works. But, you know, what I mean, I mean, we need somebody who's going to be able to come in and say, listen, like, you know, we have to ban. What we do together is more important than what we do individually. And I think the Burhalter just got kind of caught up in the politics of of who to start. And obviously, he had this tiff with Gio Reyna, and and you know, that's just 
we need someone who's above that as, as a manager. We need somebody who commands more respect and, and frankly, someone who I think picks better players. I mean, not or I mean, you have J- better squads. Have, yeah, better squads. You got Jesus Ferreira on the bench, who just rotten away. I mean, he, he led the MLS in goal scoring. Then you're you're bringing it on. You know, you, you see, you tend toward MLS players, but then you don't bring the one who led the MLS in scoring on. Um, you know, you pick a squad that's that's just it's just odd. Um, and then you end up not playing, you know, and then you have a guy like Jay Arena who I think could be a game changer for us who just doesn't play at all until it, it's all over. So, you know, and it's not just the World Cup. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I know I'm kind of ranting, but, you know, I don't think he did a particularly good job of picking teams and coaching, picking squads and, and, and managing them during qualifying or, or even necessarily during the World Cup, I mean, the Gold Cup, even though we ended up winning it. So, you know, I, I think I think it's time to move on from him. So, the the last time, so the, the issue I think that a lot of people will point out with a, a nation like the United States deciding to dump their coach to go for a new one is because usually in the past the issue hasn't the, there's there's been more issues besides just the first team. You know, it's been about well, we need to you know have a manager that can look at the way the youth setup is and can, you know, help guide us in the right direction in that. You know, we can, we need a manager who can, um, you know, balance MLS versus foreign players and how does that work and, you know, where do we want and all this, and, you know, we need a, a uniform direction. And I would argue now that that's not really the case. We kind of have that. Um, yeah. It's it's new, I you know, domestically. Um, it's It's... I think we're only just now starting to get the hang of this youth development thing. Um, you know, something that would have led to someone like Freddie Adu actually succeeding, uh, rather than being just tossed out there like a like a uh, like a prize pony and and you know just all hey, for go, commercials go, and go stuff. Do, go do your magic. Go yeah, go do your, go do your soccer happen. thing. Go out yeah. there and, and just do yeah. So. So uh, we're, we're, it's new, but we do have that. We've got a system now that's that's improving, and there's still some some steps to be taken there. But it's it's a lot easier, I think, for a youth player now to to sort of make his way up in the system rather than it it, it was in like 2006 or, or or even maybe 2010. So so we've kind of got that, and so yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. It, it's time now to maybe go out and find somebody who can, you know who the players can respect. And I just don't think they respect him because he doesn't, I still don't think Burhalter knows what the United States' best 11 is. No. And that's a problem. No, that's a I, huge problem. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I, mean, he has any, I don't think he has any, I think it felt like he was picking starting 11s just out of like, out, out of stubbornness, not because it was the yeah. the best 11 for that. For that game, just like, well, I picked these guys and I'm going to stick with them, and it's like that's not the way to manage this man. Yeah, it was like his default. You know, he sort of, I can't land on an answer in my head, so I'll just stick with this because I'm the manager and that's who's going to be there. It was Christian Pulisic, Matt Turner, and ten other guys, and and, yeah. and he didn't really know who those ten other guys were going to be. So, I think you, you get somebody who can establish that and say, here's our our best eleven, and you don't want someone who says this is who it is and this is who it will always be but no. they at least understand the type of player who needs to be here 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 and here you want them and you want to this get is the how we're going to make it work have a, 
better idea of who to start than you do, yeah. which is obviously our own arrogance as armchair managers. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, as just someone well, who like, like very small and, and Fulham tinted glasses to look through, but a very small example is you have Tim Ream, who for the past two years has been the best defender in a, in a, in a Premier League team that, you know, won the championship and is in mid table in the Premier League. And he's not part of any of your qualifying, and you just yeah. kind of stick him on the team at the very end, um, you know. Before, like, like to me, that those are the kinds of moves that to me it's just like ah, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I I think. I, think I mean, I'm glad right. to, I'm glad to pick him. I'm just like, why you should pick him early? Why did it take man? that long? Like, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's and yeah, I mean, we can be a little bit arrogant from our armchairs here, but. It's it's kind of hard to not be arrogant when you say don't put Haji right on. He's not going to be able to do anything. That is the most, and that exactly that what happens. The amusing thing to me is it, it wasn't just Haji right. It was a series of of people uh, of forwards of attacking players that Berhalter insisted on putting up there. And it's almost like it's almost like he refused to play a normal you know number nine. Like he just he just was not interested in doing it at all. And it, well, it just he, amused me. But I think from that. I, I I would go a step. I think he he had a setup that was like, okay, we're not going to play a normal number nine. Okay, that's great. Then why are you putting Haji right out there? Because that's the game that he sure. plays. He's a big sure. battering yeah. ram. That's what he right. does, and he does it great, and he's fine. And if the, if he's in the system, it works. But you can't put him out there and expect him to track back, get the ball, do something with like he's he's on the back. He's on the 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 back of the defender. You need somebody yeah. underneath him to come get that ball. They just didn't have that. No. Um, and you saw that. I think I think it was clear. I think it it was clear that you saw that. I think the most in, oh, I think it was the Iran game, when he brought yeah. him on, and it was just like he why why did you do yeah. that? That was just ridiculous. So, um, on a I don't know, it's not even a similar note. So I mean, talk about somebody who who doesn't quite know what his first eleven is, and going to somebody who pretty much sticks with his. First eleven, even though people say, "Why are you playing Harry Maguire?" Um, England fall out. England obviously losing to France two one. Um, I the reaction to this has been kind of interesting. Um, you know, I've seen England fall out of the quarterfinal stage of a World Cup, and the reaction has been, "This is ludicrous. We shouldn't be falling out of the quarterfinal stage because we're England and we have these great players." It seems like most people are like, well, that's unfortunate, and Harry Kane should have made his penalty, but yeah. it was against France, and we were better for the 90 minutes, which is true. Right. So, um, you know, the FA have made very clear they would like Gareth Southgate to stay um, because he's he's done he's done great things. Although I, I do think this is his worst finish in an international tournament since he took charge. Um. Yeah. So that was the yeah the 2018 World Cup. They made the semifinal, um, made the final of Euros 2020, and then this World Cup they, it was the quarterfinal. But you know he, he's he's kind of set a, a good standard, and it's just unfortunate that this quarterfinal ended up being uh, against France. Um, but he has made some comments suggesting that this is. Definitely taken a toll. You know, it's yeah. been tough. The last 18 months haven't been ideal, and he hasn't really 
appreciated the job as much, so he's taking so much needed time uh, away from the game, um, which is good. So, I mean, based on on that, and based on you know the way England have finished, should Southgate stay, or should he go? What what would you know? Should the FA you know be a bit more open to him leaving and changing? Um, I mean, I know how I feel feel about it, but I, I mean, I personally, I feel like Southgate's done a lot of good work and, and yeah, deserves to stay. I think if he wants to stay, he should be able to stay. I mean, I don't think it's the same situation with, with you know, I think he picked the right players. I think he managed them fine. I think they were unfortunate, um, you know, to lose the way that they did. But um, I don't think it was through any fault of his. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you keep them. Being said, you know, if he decides to call it a day, I don't know that you're, you know, you're devastated by that. Um, you know, I, I the, the the nice thing about England is that they've just got a ton of really good players, and right a lot now, of them yeah. are pretty young. This was a, this was a tough, I think, time for them to like the timing of the World Cup was difficult. I think you had a lot of players who got hurt. Reese um, James, yeah, and Chilwell. The, yeah, Ben Chilwell, um, uh, you know, Calvin Phillips, you know, was, was not 100%. Um, yep. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold had been hurt beforehand. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's just... I think it, Mason Mount had just come back yeah. from injury, too. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it's I think it's really tough for, you know, all of those... Every every one of the starting 11 players, other than Drew Bellingham, typically were, were Premier League players... So I think it was just tough to ask them to go, hey, you're going to go through an entire season. You're going to go through the summer transfer window and trading. You're going to start a Premier League season. Not that the other leagues don't matter, but you're going to start a Premier League season. And then we're going to stop that. You've now got to come play for your team. Like I, Not that other players didn't suffer from it, but I think England probably had the highest percentage of players playing in the Premier League. Um and so I just think it was really tough to go from the toughest league in the, in the world to the World Cup. And so, you know, I, I think that that had more to do with England failing than maybe anything else other than other than the, the ref in that, in that France game. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a – well, I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, pretty poor. I, yeah. What I didn't like about that referee, and I think this is where the most of the criticism can come from, is – there were there were fouls that Bukayo Saka suffered that went uncalled. That he would turn right around and the same thing would happen to a French player yeah. who called foul. There was no consistency. The inconsistency no was consistency. blatant. Yeah, and it you know when you consider and maybe it's just the fact that we're watching um, Fox broadcast the World Cup where they like to mention that Kylian Mbappe is on the field every 30 seconds. Um, but it just, it kind of felt like it was all set up as a way to say, as a way to get get France to the final. Because you, FIFA wanted the most out of this star player as they could get. I mean, the penalty that Kane missed had to be reviewed by VAR. And I, I just can't, I can't help but feel like... The, he went. He goes back to that and looks and and hears and, and the the guy the var the referee says yeah, there's no way you can get away with this one you have to call yeah, a penalty like you it's ridiculous. Call a penalty, bro. And it's and, and 
normally, and I was watching this with one of my friends in, in, in the bar, I said, you know, it's one thing if players come together as they're going for the ball like that in the box. But Teo Hernandez just straight up shoves. Yeah. Um, was it Kane? I think it was yeah, Harry Kane. Yeah, just yeah. straight up shoves him in the yeah, back. I mean, not even close. Yeah. And I don't know how you don't call that a penalty from, from the off. It, it was just obvious and blatant. So, um, now, coulda, woulda, shoulda, probably shoulda made the penalty. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I forget what we're talking about. I think Southgate should stay. Yeah, um, I'd keep him. Frankly, I, I mean, I think it's, yeah. it's yeah, and... If you look at you mentioned the age of the England team, um, you know a lot of these guys. Will st- I mean, Declan Rice is only twenty three years old, yeah. um, and I think plays plays uh, far above his age. Um, I think I think Rashford's going to be in his late twenties. I don't think Sterling's going to be all that much. I think mm-hmm. he's just going to be maybe a shade over thirty if yeah. he, if he is. Um, <clears throat> same story with uh, with Harry Kane. And so probably one of the best players of kind of soccer will be probably in his prime. Oh, I mean, soccer. Yeah. Who for me, and and because you know, again, I was listening to the West Ham podcast. They were talking about this. I I was I at first I was like, yeah, soccer for me, England's player of the tournament, absolutely phenomenal. Um, was the source of inspiration in that in that France game and was just so consistently good. Yeah, Jude Bellingham. Yeah, Jude, dude is—he's he's super young too. I mean, he is going to have a hell of a career. Yeah, that guy runs so hard and works so hard. He is so mature for his age. The way that he speaks, the way that he handles—I mean—and he's going to be—he's going to be great. And and I, 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 I mean, just physically fantastic. He's tall. He's quick. He's great with his feet. He's a great passer of the ball. Um, he's going to be he's going to be wonderful, and I cannot wait to watch more of this Bellingham Rice midfield pivot because it's it's just fantastic. Um, so yeah, the future looks pretty bright for England, and I it's been tough for Gareth, and I understand that, but I I definitely think he should stick around at least through the Euros, and during that time, if he wants. You know, pick your successor. Find somebody who can come in after you, who can pick up where you left off. And if if he no longer wants to do the job, that's fine. But you know, I think you should at least take the time to find somebody who can come in and continue the great work that he's done because he has done great work. And um, I mean, if you remember, uh, I mean, the last World Cup before Gareth Southgate was 2014, and that was you know England went out of the group and and it was just uh, a horrendous three matches. Um, so it's, it's definitely a big turnaround and I think, uh, I think you should stay. Yeah, but we'll see. Um, Hey, I mean, if he does end up leaving and he wants some club management, I feel like there's a job in East London that's going to open up pretty soon. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he can come on in and, and, and take care of business. I, I, I would be fully in favor of him, uh, taking charge of, of us and, and taking us forward. But, I, I hope he stays. I think it's just it's better for him if if he continues this England project for at least one more tournament. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking uh, of of England, we're we're very close. I think we're within two weeks now of the Premier League starting again. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to get our our Boxing Day plans ironed out. And I noticed yes. there's 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 an issue in this in that the games that we would be interested in are awfully spread out. <laughs> right. Um, due to the wisdom. Air quotes 
of uh, the Premier League fixture schedulers. Uh, Arsenal and West Ham is at 2 o'clock Central Time, whereas all the other games happen you know, during normal times. So I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I, I don't know how we're gonna we're gonna do that, but we'll 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 have to figure something out. Yeah, we'll figure. Um, it out. But uh, also something that I think we've we missed over this World Cup, the FA Cup, yeah, third round draw has has been made. Um, uh, Friday, January the sixth, uh, into the seventh and the eighth. So that that Friday through Saturday, uh, we start with Manchester United versus Everton. Uh, on Friday, and then let's see who does who does Fulham play in the FA Cup? Yeah, God, hell I guess, uh, Hull. That's right. I, I saw it today. So Hull City, uh, you'll be making a trip over to uh, North Yorkshire and uh, into the Umber for that one. Um, I can't say our recent. Um, <clears throat> I can't say that our recent cup experiences leave me. Uh, I'm very excited about it, but you know we'll uh, we'll see how it works. And then here's a here's a big one: ten thirty uh, on uh, so eleven thirty Eastern time. Manchester City versus Chelsea. The the draw giveth and the draw taketh away. Uh, so yeah. those two teams you would expect probably to be in the final uh, of a tournament like this, and they find themselves playing each other. Uh, trying to knock each other out in the, the, the first, the first, yeah. <laughs> oh no! And perhaps a chance for us to see some early fun and to get some lulls in. Um, Oxford United hosting Arsenal. That's going to be at the. Uh, was that? That's that's, that's going to be at, at so in Oxfordshire at Marsh Lane. Uh, that's on Monday. That's so that's on, that's on the Monday after that weekend. So so there's some. There's some exciting games. Stevenage Borough. Well, I, I don't think it's Stevenage Borough anymore. I think it's just Stevenage Football Club. But that's a club that I follow. They go to Aston Villa. So nice chance for them to get something um, from that one. Newcastle, Jordan's team, they go to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, West Ham get Brentford. They go to they go to which Sheffield on Wednesday? They should name the team Sheffield Wednesday. So stupid. <laughs> I think it's one of the oldest clubs in. I think it's one of the older oldest clubs in the in the football league out there. Actually, they've they've been around for quite a while. I like their mascot though, and James would also like their mascot, our James. Yes, it's the, the the owls. Um, so so yeah, so FA Cup draw has been made by oh a a podcast favorite Boreham Wood. They host mm. Accrington Ac- Stanley, so that's All a right. nice yeah yeah this they should. I, I have a good feeling about that one. The wood should uh, get into the next round. Up the wood. Up the wood. Um, so, yeah. And then, of course, uh, we start up uh, on Boxing Day. So, looking forward That's to gonna that. It's going to be weird to, to start the season again. You know, because, like... I know. Because <laughs> the season will start, and then, I guess, the Jan- is the January transfer window normal? Like, is it a normal transfer window? It is, yep. So, that's going to be really odd because... You know, we're going to come back and then immediately basically be in transfer window time. It's going to be like, well, I don't, I don't know who we, we haven't seen these teams play in a month. Like, yeah. I mean, it's going to be, and and Fulham's going to be a completely different team with, with hat, you know, Manor, Manor Solomon and Harry Wilson back. So yeah, it's going to be a bit of a, it's going to be a bit of a wild ride. I think that's another good thing too. I, there's, you know, a lot of players <clears throat> have been able to to kind of get over their injuries. So I mean, Fulham have got a couple of coming back. It's been really helpful. Now, I mean, not that I that he would have been a part of the France squad, but Kurt Zuma um, for West Ham had some surgery 
right as the league ended. And he may not miss all that much. Um, something that would usually keep him out for about six weeks worth of games is now probably going to keep him out for maybe two. So um, it's uh, a lot of players coming back from injury. Um, a lot of play, a lot of teams, hopefully able to, to press the reset button and actually, uh, and actually play. I'm interested to see though, how managers handle players coming back from the world cup, because obviously, you know, if you're playing in the final, I mean, you, you probably won't be playing a week later. Um, they'll give them a rest because they've just had a, had a big tournament. Um, at least that would be, that's normally what you see happen is they get a couple of weeks rest, but I don't know what, I don't know what's going to happen this time around. I mean, are they going to give them some time off? How long do you give them? Some, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what my level of confidence is that Declan Rice will be back in the starting lineup when we face Arsenal on Boxing Day. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how they're, how they're going to handle that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting too because you're gonna have, I mean, it's it's there's gonna it's gonna be weird coming out of the gate too because you're gonna have some players who have been at home training and I assume taking some time off this whole time, and yeah. then you're gonna have other players who have been not doing that, and so yeah, it's gonna be a very odd kind of, I think, combination of things. Yeah, but it'll be fun. We'll have, we'll we'll get some features back. We'll do um, we'll do some Christmas fun next week. Oh as yeah, well, as 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 we. As uh, as we do that, and we'll have Jordan back, and we might see if Devin can can join us. So, but um, it's been, like I said at the top, you know, it hasn't been quite the World Cup like I remember it. But I don't know if that's just because I'm getting a little bit older and have some more responsibility than I used to. But um, uh, it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's been fun to uh, to talk about it and, and podcast about it and follow it along with you guys. Um, Quick note before we leave. I was going to talk about this at the top of the show, but I think I, I missed it. Um, definitely uh, want to send some some just heartfelt thoughts out to anybody who was close to Grant Wall. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that was really... I, I, I still feel like I've, I'm in a little bit of shock over that. Um, yeah. Just such a, a strange thing to happen, and for it to happen during probably what was the the marquee game of of the World Cup, um, you know, Netherlands and Argentina. Um, I mean, it's just just absolutely devastating, and and it's you know, I would say it's probably on the same level as you know, an Adrian Wojnarowski for yeah. for yeah. the NBA, or and maybe. You know, and Adam Scheffler for 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 NFL. I mean, Grant Wall was above and beyond um, in his field, and to have somebody like that, an American, right in that way, and have that kind of interest about soccer, very rare um, yeah. uh, to reach those heights. And so it's it's going to be a huge, huge void that I think will exist for quite some time. Um, Obviously, and, I mean, young, left the yeah. family behind, and and, and uh, just you know, and an aneurysm, something like that, is just. I mean, it's not like that's anything you can really be be prepared for, and and uh, it's unfortunate some of the speculation that happened, you know, afterward yeah. as well. So, um, but you know, that it is what it is. Yeah, you know, and I, yeah, I, I understand it. Um, I mean, we, Caleb, you and I have been in in 
newspaper and, and times and I mean you you see what people do when when something like that happens I mean it's it's hard it's hard I feel like it's hard to make sense of something like this and so you immediately go to something that your mind can kind of right put together even though it may be a reach but to you it's not because it's so inexplicable therefore anything is is possible yeah, um, I'll just say if so you haven't read I, I really his wife's statement it. on it, though, I would go ahead and go. She she was she was pretty emphatic about you know both speaking to what happened and also um, kind of emphatic about how maybe we should be thinking and talking about it. So Adam, I, I really appreciate you yeah. bringing that up. And if you haven't read her words, um, then I definitely think you should. Um, so yeah, I think her name is uh, Celine. So yeah, yeah, definitely go read what she had to say. Yeah. Definitely. So, Grant Wall, gonna miss you. It's it's just it's it's weird, man. I, I he's been there since I've been there. He he wrote about LeBron James before anybody knew who LeBron James was. Yeah, that's how that's how good he was. It's it's just it's heartbreaking. I mean, I was, he, he was I he was the kind of guy who yeah he was yeah. the kind of guy who I wanted to be. Yeah. When I was when I was you know. Well, my dad got a subscription to Sports Illustrated, and that's one of the – that's kind of – I grew up reading that, um, you know, and, and that's what kind of got me interested in journalism with sports – was reading Sports Illustrated and the Dallas Morning News. Um, so it was it, – it, you know, and obviously he wrote for SI for, for, for a while and for a number of years. I um, got his start, I think, actually with a sister paper to mine, the Miami Herald. Um, and so, yeah, you know, he's a guy who, who I've read for – 25 years now so it's yeah. tough very sad very sad it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to get over um but uh hey the show goes on uh big show this weekend world cup final uh so just real quick third place game uh croatia versus morocco that's gonna be at uh 10 a.m eastern time mm-hmm. um Let's see. I'm trying to get the TV. And someone was like, "It's going to um, be on Fox." It is going to be on Big Fox. I didn't know if yeah. they were going to put that on Fox Sports One or. Someone was like, "Who do you think's going to win?" I'm like, "I don't know." Who like, cares? Those third place games, they, they don't care about them, and like, it's just. I honestly I think, don't know why we still have it. Yeah, I, 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 well, me. I assume it's money. <laughs> so well, it is. Some level, it is. But, yeah. But I just yeah I probably I I will if I'm near a TV and I have control of that TV I will put it on. But otherwise, I'm not too bothered about it. But I am very excited for Argentina versus France. 10 a.m. Eastern time kickoff. That's going to be, uh, of course, on on Fox from the Lucille Stadium in Qatar, bringing to an end this Winter World Cup. The buildup took so long. Now it's it feels like it's going to be over too soon. May we never have a winter one again. <laughs> Jesus, yes. Let's never let's never do this again. Yeah. Yeah, summer World Cups from now on, please. Yes. All right. And Thanks, maybe, Caleb. Oh, maybe go ahead. Yeah. We'll get to uh, maybe the next World Cup. You and I will be able to see a game in person. How about hey. that's a nice stream? Kansas City, Dallas, Dallas. Maybe we'll come, come to maybe, Atlanta, baby. Maybe I'll come out to Atlanta. Come out to there Atlanta. You, go. you got a few places to, to stay. There we go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Thanks, Caleb, uh, for joining me tonight. It's been it's been good. Jordan, we'll see you when you get back next week. And for everybody else, have a good final. Premier League starts in a little over a week, so take care.